Hello and welcome to the second episode of Sam Learns Everything. Today we're going to be talking about mixology, which is the the science or the study, the craft of making cocktails or drinks. Um, this is after I had actually finished all seven of the cocktails that we made. So, so what we did today was we... We went through the six core cocktails, which we'll talk about later, and then we made another one for fun and then had some sake. And then um, you're going to learn about a couple cool stories and things that, um, you know, are going to help you along your your uh, drink-making uh, journey here. But yeah, so I, I hope you enjoy. Buckle up and uh, let's learn about making drinks. Same day. We're just drunk. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, for, for education purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super professional. I promise. We're like seven cocktails in. Yeah, and some sake, and um, and we started at ten. And uh, yeah, we did get some Thai food though. We did. Let's not forget about that. If you're gonna drink, you gotta eat, and and also drink some water. Yeah, like, be safe, but also. You know, seven cocktails. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot. It's a lot. But this is, I will say, this is the fanciest day drinking I've ever had. And I'm but 29. Know, it's, fun. it's fun, though. It is. Because it's like, you I'm know, it's not like drinking Four Locos and Hammer oh, no. and Budweiser. Because you're not doing like, it to get drunk. You're doing no. it to like, well, one, this is educational. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm learning a lot. And also, two, it's like for like. A thing. Yeah, it's not just day drinking to day drinking. Yeah, we're not just drinking because a football game is going on. Like yes. we're doing this because yes. there's there's education yeah. going on here. Absolutely. Okay. So, so we're talking about mixology, and yes. uh, we also this is Emma again. What is mixology? Mixology to me is the the definition between who is a cook and who is a chef. A chef utilizes ingredients. And like, I know like a lot of people will be like, like I, so when I'm saying like cook and chef is like, you'll have like someone who's like a chef Mm -hmm. who is like really spent some time studying their ingredients, studying their, their craft, studying what goes into those drinks and balancing them. So you get this product that is, is, either tailored or approachable to a wide audience. I think about like my time as a cook and when I worked at places that where it was literally just throwing a burger on the grill. Like it doesn't take a lot of finesse to do that. But if you're going to make me a fucking bolognese, you need to know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of the same thing between mixology and just being a bartender. Mm -hmm. I think about my first job in the bar world and I was just a floor girl and I worked at a bar in Iowa City that it was literally just what we would call liquor and and it's really liquor like the and, liquor like and like like liquor and bar so it's like the the most complicated drink we're gonna make is like 
a Jack and Coke. Oh, you know, so liquor and so liquor and yeah, and it's like I think about like the drinks that we would make there, and like we do make really good Bloody Marys, like they're fantastic Mm -hmm. because we we make they well I don't work there anymore, but they make they they spend a really long time to flavor that base, and have worked really hard on doing that. But that's the most fancy drink they serve there. Who? Why don't you explain the difference to me of like the different types of bars? Because here's something going into mixology where I'm like, okay, I was just recently a college student. I don't know what the fuck a cocktail is. I just know that like I've downed some fireball and then like I kind of hated it, but like I liked being drunk. But, like what's the difference? Like if I want to like actually enjoy something, what what do I need to know? So... I think that's a really great question is like, what are your different bars? So like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know where you grew up, but I grew up in small town, Iowa, where it's like yeah. the the bar that we had was literally a dive bar. And like, what is a dive bar? A dive bar is a bar that you're going to go into and they're going to have beer on tap or beer in bottles or liquor behind the bars. And they might be able to make you because they have a gun there, like a soda gun, not hopefully a gun gun, but yeah, yeah, I got you. But you know, a soda gun. So they can make you like a Jack and Coke or sure. a gin and tonic Easy. or, you know, simple things like that. But they're probably not going like to carry. Like a whiskey highball. Yes, yes. That would be a whiskey learn highball. You're going to learn that. So like yeah. literally like a, 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 a what's called a Cuba Libre, yeah, which is rum and Coke with a lime wedge. That is a highball. That is, that is a highball drink. It's going to come in a tall glass. And it's going to be mostly soda to spirit. You're not really going to taste spirit, but you're going to have this balance because you're going to have the lime juice to add acidity. You're going to have that soda to add effervescence and you're going to have that rum to add that extra layer of flavor. But I guarantee you, if you went into a dive bar, even the ones here in Iowa city and you went to Deadwood or Dublin or fucking George's (laughs) and you said, I want a Cuba Libre. They're not going to know what the fuck you're talking about. Which is crazy because it's two ingredients. It is two ingredients, but they don't know because people don't order that. I will literally have to order it and say, I want a rum and Coke. And can you give me a lime wedge on the side? Like, that's how you're going to have to order it. Yeah. You're going to have to order it. And then you have to do the rest of the assembling yourself. Yes. And, and I mean, it's fine because it's like, that's a two-ingredient drink like a lot of highballs are. Yeah. Or three ingredients if you're going into an Americano. But they're, they're simple drinks. They're drinks that, that, to me, any bar should be able to make. But that's, that's what differentiates yeah. a bar to me. But when you go to a mix, like what I would say as a mixologist's bar... Mm-hmm is going to be a bar that knows their shit, that knows about that. You're, you're probably going to get a cocktail menu from them, one. And it's it's going to have a number of different cocktails, probably an old-fashioned variation, a highball variation. Wait, wait, let's hold on. Okay, so before we get too sidetracked, um, the mixologist bar is, is the main other type of bar, along with like a club and a pub and a club. In a pub, the only real difference, as far as I understand it, are just the the scenery. So, like, in a club, you're going to have the, like, music, you know? And then in a pub, I think it's more like sit down and then maybe have some food, too. Um, but both are going to have cocktails. I think it depends on the quality of the club, pub, or bar on like the quality of the cocktails 
Um, so there are two things that I'm going to need you to answer. The Talk first is I need you to tell me about the different core cocktails and why we have different core cocktails. Yes. Because that's something we learned about today. And then also I need you to tell me about the different types of glasses. Okay, yes. Okay, so there there are what you will find in, in, in the mixology world. You'll hear it differently from different people who who know their craft. But really what I like to tell people is go off of, and shameless plug, the Death & Co. Company book, or their most recent book, which won a James Beard Award, which is the Cocktail Codex book. Mm-hmm. And that's more, as opposed to the Death & Company book, that's all about their specific bar and the way that they build drinks. Mm-hmm. Cocktail Codex is about these core cocktails. Okay, so your core cocktails are literally the six cocktails that almost every cocktail out there has been based off of throughout time. So you have your old fashioned cocktail, your martini, Mm -hmm. you have the daiquiri, the sidecar, the highball and the flip. Okay. Those are your six core cocktails. And there's a lot of other different cocktails in there. Like you're probably going to come across like punches and poos cups and, and all these different things, but they're, they're literally, they all fall between those six cocktails. And it's kind of like what I think of when I learned with cooking, where it's like, you have different techniques, but some techniques are hybrids between those techniques. And if you can learn those techniques, you will learn where those cocktails fall in. You know, like I remember the first time I experienced a punch, I was like, what is a punch? It's got to be its own category. And really a punch is just a large format cocktail. And that large format cocktail can fall between any of these six cocktails. But you have these core cocktails that literally make everything. Like today you found out, like, what's a sidecar? Yeah. You found out what a sidecar was, and then you found out that a margarita is technically a sidecar. It's like it's It's all about the core, the balance, and and the additives, and what makes that cocktail fall in that category. You know, you have your old-fashioned, which is mostly spirit-based, and your martini, which are mostly spirit-based. But what differentiates those is is the use of sugar, the use of bitters, and the use of fortified wine in a martini. And then in an old-fashioned, where it's literally just the classic build of a cocktail, it's just spirit, ice, bitters, Uh. and simple sugar. Like, that's it, you know? And... There's different variants when you go down the line that fall in there, but you have these six core cocktails that make up all of the cocktails that you're going to experience. And then what we were talking about, or what you were talking about was glassware. Yeah. So it's like, when you think about like, the good example of that is that you have a whiskey highball, which a highball is a category of spirits, but it's it's very in that way where I feel like people don't understand what a highball is, but like- let's explain that. So as I understand, a highball is not very spirit forward. Okay, for the non-drinking homies, spirit forward basically means that the main thing you're tasting is the alcohol. So in something like an old fashioned, most of the drink is just going to be liquor. So you're going to have that taste, but in something like a daiquiri, you're gonna, have more of like a sweet, sugary, maybe fruity thing going on. Uh, and like honestly, I've been sipping on that whiskey sour, and it's 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 <laughs> fucking sour. it's fucking tense. But it's like so it is, it's obviously the tense. But like you taste the whiskey a lot, but like 
it can also I, I think if I'm understanding it can be spirit forward but also sort of balanced which sort yes. of is where the whiskey sour is really cool because it's like you got that foam and that sweetness mm-hmm. sort of balance out the pungency of the of the liquor of the yeah. liquor but like a highball as I understand is like okay this is this is derailing but basically I need to explain what a highball is. A highball is just these two ingredients, typically, in a big, tall, cylindrical glass. So you'll have your liquor, and then I like to think of it as like a dilutant. Um, So a really great example of a highball is a screwdriver or a, uh, we talked about it earlier, but like a Cuba Libre. Um, Like a screwdriver, think about it, it's just vodka and orange juice. So orange juice is the dilutant in in that drink. You're mostly tasting the sweetness, I think, of the soda. Um, yeah. It's because because it's like what is it like a two to one, right? Yeah, it's pretty much two to one. Yeah. So, so it's you're two to one soda and whiskey. Yeah. So if you have two ounces of whiskey, you're gonna add four ounces of soda, which is a good basis to go off of. Or really, if you're gonna go to a dive bar and you order like like people don't know if they order a Jack and Coke tall, yeah. you've just ordered a highball. Yes. You know, you've ordered a drink that's that's gonna consist of of the the balance and flavors is gonna be very consistent, where it's gonna be half and half. You're gonna taste the pop, you're gonna taste the spirit, but if it's balanced correctly, neither one should be taking taking the whole entire drink. Is that referring to the glass? Because okay, so as I recall there's what like four types of glasses oh there there's there's many a types but there's so like four, four core glasses glass. so there's the highball glass highball yeah a tumbler or an old-fashioned glass so okay mm-hmm. a highball glass is like a tall cylinder like you'd see yeah. in a, a chem lab mm-hmm. and like a tumbler is like that like classic like wide short, short wide, glass. yeah yeah. And like it's what you put old fashions in. And then there's the martini glass. Martini or a coupe glass a coupe is glass. what you'll see a lot more modern day cocktail bars will just omit the martini glass and just use coupes yeah. for all of their martini builds. Which is like that sort of like curved basin. Yes. yes. And then the only other one is that one, which name I forgot. Oh, so this is this is um this is Technically a coupe, but it also kind of falls into a flip. So, like, remember I showed you that flip glass that's that I had? Well, I showed it to you on a Zoom call. But <laughs> I have it in there, and it's what you would usually put, like, um, an Irish whiskey in or a typical flip in. It's more – it's got a specific shape, but this, this works, too. So, so it's very similar to a coupe. It is, as in, like, there's there's going to be, like, it's going to be raised. It's going to be a more up glass. Okay, so to explain this when not shit-faced, it's basically a fucking tiny goblet. That's it. It's not going to need any really ice or anything, and it's right. it's going to be, it's, it's going to be all about, oh God, I'm like, do I want to use shape? So maybe, it's about shape, yeah. Yeah, but maybe explain to me why we use different glasses. Because my understanding is, like, some drinks have, like, foam. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, how you can sort of control how much foam you get per sip based on yes. the shape of the glass. So it's, like, with, with whiskey, with gin, with rum, with cocktails, really, you where we kind of got this, like, shape idea was really from beer. Oh. And it's because... 
certain beer, like when you drink certain beers, you want to drink them out of certain glasses. Like you'll go to bars and you'll think they're being pretentious as fuck because they're like, oh, we're only serving this beer in this tulip yeah. glass. But really there is like a a flavor science that goes behind it. Right. You know, you think of like your Pilsner glass or like a tulip glass and why you might want to serve something in a tulip as opposed to What's a Pilsner. So Pilsner is going to be that tall, more cylindrical glass that's really tall and it, it kind of allows oh, the head to spread like flat. Sam Adams commercial. Yeah, yeah. Thing. The really tall glass or, you know, even like... Like, so your tulip is going to be that kind of very round, they like... They can't see your hands. I, I know. I'm like, I'm as I'm doing the hand gesture, I'm like, okay, how can I explain this? So it's like, it's like a round bottom. Like... It's, got a, it's got a stem on it. It's got a very round bottom. And then it kind of goes in and then it comes out again. So like the hourglass. Fuck, yes. Yes. Alcohol is a powerful thing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. An hourglass shape. It's going to be more hourglass shaped. And that is because when you serve certain types of beers, they're going to produce certain types of heads. Mm -hmm. And when you think of... What's a head? So the head is that foam that's on a beer. Okay. And certain beers, like a lager, the head is going to die very quickly because it's not where one flavor is is stored and it's just the way that the style that it's made it's not meant to have a head on it that's why when yeah. you pour Budweiser it starts out with a giant head and then it disappears yeah but then you pour like a Hefeweizen or a Berliner Weiss or a Martzen beer and you're gonna get these heads that are gonna stay around or even better example Guinness Guinness yeah. is a very thick head and that is not just because it's it's nitro poured which that's a whole nother thing we'll talk about <laughs> another time yeah but it's it's the effervescence. That's what you really need to think about is... is I'm going to stop you real quick. Talk to me. What is effervescence? Effervescence is aroma that is, like, released into... what Whether it's naturally sitting in a drink or it's released by soda. So you mm. have, like, cocktails that are effervescent. You know, like, when you drink something that has elderflower liqueur... Or my bartender friends will know as what we call bartender's ketchup. It's like you will you will pour this drink that is has a liqueur in it that's so effervescent that you can smell it, you know, from across the bar. But then when you have beer, you will you have to get your nose into it and you'll notice that smell. So effervescence, yeah. the smell is different, can be different from the taste. Okay. And it's it's effervescence to me is just like another fancy explanation of aroma. Okay. You know, but I like different. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. It's no, like yeah, that makes sense. It's different. It's got flavor to it as opposed to where you can smell aroma, but the taste is different. You know, yeah. effervescence is like, okay, like I smell elderflower liqueur and you're gonna mm. taste that elderflower liqueur. Sounds good. <laughs> The story of Saint Germain is also badass. If okay, you learn about it. it. Let's hear it. Oh my god, so Saint Germain was like a small, tiny distillery. Like I can't remember where they're from, but I want to say they're like from from France or like some very small okay. European country. Well, that France really just isn't small, but they're not. But compared <laughs> okay. to America, <laughs> okay, no, okay. it's small. Yeah, okay. I, I tried to say that as Czechly as I could. America. Um, <laughs> But it was really like a small distillery and it was kind of like the story between like behind Benedictine and all these like liqueurs that were invented where it was like just this guy was like, I'm going to utilize the shit out of this, this flavor 
And Saint Germain, like elderflower, people really never used elderflower until Saint Germain came into the market.、Mm-hmm. And not only was that because Bombay Sapphire bought Saint Germain and brought it into this broader aspect, where you, that's why you see it behind bars all the time, and why bartenders call it bartender ketchup. Because、oh, you can add it to anything, and it's gonna make it taste good. Like literally, like you're like, oh, I don't know how this drink tastes. Add a little bit of Saint Germain to it, and、this、it's gonna be, be fucking、great. awesome. But that's also why if you have a real true bartender behind your bar, do not offer them something with Saint Germain unless they、really? tell you they like it, because they're gonna automatically be like, you're not, you're not. You're not somebody who knows flavor because Saint Germain is bartender's ketchup. You can add it to anything, and it's gonna be fucking good. Like the, I could add that to the daiquiri, and it's gonna be fucking dope. I can add it to that whiskey、mm-hmm. sour. It's gonna be dope. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. So you let's say we want to get into bartending, or we want to get into mixology,、mm-hmm. but we don't know where to start. So tell me, literally, what's step one? Step one, I would say. Is is learning your ingredients, learning、okay. learning your ingredients because I could say, oh, start with your core cocktails, or start with balance. But really, like if you don't know what liquors you're putting into your cocktails, teaching you core cocktails means nothing. You know, like you you、mm. you need to learn what those ingredients are, like what your difference between bourbon. Is compared to Irish whiskey. What gin is? What vodka is? What brandy is? What rum is? And and really, it doesn't take that much to learn what those are.、Um, what about this? Because it is liquor is expensive. It so is. So if you had to like tell people like, okay, sure, learn your ingredients. I agree. But like,、uh, what if we don't have like four hundred dollars to spend on a liquor cabinet? If you don't have that much money to spend, one I'd say you could probably spend about a hundred dollars and have a good a good decent. Because <laughs> is there I like mean, a list you could give and then I can post somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely have a good list that I can give you. That's like, and I will. It、post. would be like a good start. Like, and, and these are literally just like your core ingredients that I would use that you're going to use in a lot of cocktails. Okay. But you know, like a good thing to even do is like if you're somebody who has a good rapport with a really good bar, like and and you have a bar that would be willing to, or you honestly you have a fucking friend at a bar who you'd be like, hey, pour me a a a, a quarter ounce or a half ounce of vodka of this of that of that of that. And try that out. Yeah. Like then you can be like, okay, here's what these flavors are.、Mm-hmm. Like, and and honestly, if you really want to get into it, like a a good education thing that like a lot of bars that I've worked for require is this thing called Bar Smarts. Oh. Um. They also have Bar Starts, which is、oh. really good, and that kind of like like opens you up to these backgrounds. Bar Smarts is way more in depth, but Bar Starts is going to be like, here's the difference between. American bourbon and Irish whiskey and Canadian whiskey, which like before I took that, I did not fucking know the difference of. I'm so happy I know them now because I can like school some some <laughs> homie who's like, oh, I know the difference between Canadian whiskey and American whiskey, and it's like, oh yeah, then why do they call Canadian whiskey rye? And really, they <laughs> there's no classification, but like it also taught me a lot about about beer, about 
like the difference between continuous still and single pot still. Okay. The difference between classification. So what classifies a drink as what it is? Because like you like tequila, we were talking about tequila. What makes tequila depends on where it's produced because America has no regulations on what makes tequila tequila. So that's why you have shit like Jose Cuervo where it's like people are like, oh, I drank tequila and it gave me a bad hangover. It's like, well, what did you drink as your first tequila? And they're like, oh, Jose. And I'm like, well, that's why. Because it's shit. It's garbage. And and it's the same thing with like gin where it's like, so when you have you like... You tequila today, by the way. Which it was like we did, 100% but agave. it was good. And it was and reposado, it was, it was which tight. means it's aged in an oak barrel to give it those, those extra flavor profiles. Mm-hmm. And those are things that like that I loved about Bar Starts and Bar Smarts is that it really opens your eyes to like, holy shit, this is what makes this thing what it is. And it, it broadens your horizons on how to gauge stuff. Yeah. Because you think about like even like alcohol in general, it's all neutral grain spirit until you decide to with bourbon add rye grain or corn or wheat as the as the as the as the base spirit and then you age it in oak barrels for a certain amount of time which also classifies what it is and then you get flavor profiles beyond that but like a good example i like to think of is like gin so like gin you have good gin which is like london dry gin which has specific qualifications that it needs to pass through to be considered london dry and even then those are those are kind of loose, you know? Mm-hmm. And so like a lot of the best gins that you're gonna taste are passed through a either a continuous or a single pot still. And some gins, like American gins, you can just add gin flavor. Which yeah. is which is juniper, which is coriander. Kind of and that's where like especially with tequila, where you get these tequilas like Jose Cuervo where People will drink Jose Cuervo Gold and think they're drinking good tequila. And it's like, no, that's caramel color. It's additive. Yeah. And you can add stuff to gin and still call it gin. But what differentiates gin from good and bad gin is how it's produced. Okay. So, like, good gin has a literal bucket at the top of the still that has coriander, that has all these spices in it. And because alcohol evaporates at a different temperature than water, which is how they make alcohol, it, it moves to the top of the still. The water stays behind. The alcohol rises up in vapors. It's passed through this tiny little column that turns it back into a liquid, and it's either bottled or stored in a barrel but that's how you also make neutral grain spirit so they can literally make vodka that way where it's literally all that shit but it's just put through a continuous still which is where we were talking about earlier where you get that seven and eight and nine distilled vodka but then you get gin and it's like it it, it really just depends i don't want to go too deep into it but it really just depends on how you produce it and what goes into it. So like good gin is going to actually have those flavors in, incorporated into it. It's gonna have real coriander. It's gonna have real real juniper. It's gonna have that basket at the top of that still that all that, that vapor is producing through, which if you think about it, that costs money to produce good ingredients. Oh, or yeah. you can do what a lot of gin companies like Barton's does, mm-hmm. and they just add gin flavor. It's like the difference between like, 
ginger ale and ginger beer. Ginger yeah. beer is produced through natural fermentation if they're doing real ginger beer. Right. And it's produced through a certain kind of process. And ginger ale is literally just ginger syrup added to soda. And that's kind of like the same thing with gin. Yeah. And with, with flavored vodka and with shitty tequila where they'll just add color, they'll add flavor, and that's why you get these shitty, terrible hangovers. So, moral of the story, you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. and if you're learning your ingredients, it's okay to skimp a bit to learn something, but know that there's better stuff out there. Oh, absolutely. Like, we all have budgets, so do what you can. So basically, my first step was pretty similar. It mm-hmm. was find some ingredients, taste them, and then we moved on to making some cocktails. So I'm going to do like step one and a half here, which is now we're going to talk about the cocktails. Mm. Um, so let's start with my favorite. Oh, I mean, my, <laughs> my favorite changed. Oh, man. I don't know. I think whiskey sour. I think that was that was the one. That is that's the golden girl for most people. That was that was that is that is like I told you it was it's it was it's tight. balance. It's it was all right. balance. No, and yeah, it wasn't too much of anything. So let's start with that, and then let's sort of just talk about the different six cocktails because step one to me is learn the ingredients and then learn how to make the six cocktails. Just one of them, and then if anything, you have six cocktails you can make, which is great yeah and you're already impressing all your friends beyond that like you're not just mixing like some stupid like mountain dew and vodka like (sighs) that's just bad god which if you want to get into it that is a highball but (laughs) i don't want to give it that That i'm not gonna give it that that. makes highballs look like shit no because it's demeaning highballs yeah So, so let's talk about whiskey sour um like you know God. What is it? Yeah. So a whiskey sour is going to be, and, and this variation will change on one who's drinking it and who's making it, mm-hmm. but the core ingredients are going to be whiskey, simple sugar, bitters, and acidity, which comes in the form of lemon juice. And those are going to be very balanced, which is why I love whiskey sour. It Wait, is what type balanced. Of drink is it? it is a sidecar it's technically. a sidecar so a sidecar is a category of drink or oh fuck no that's not a sidecar is that a daiquiri shit um oh no it is a daiquiri it is a daiquiri okay so yes we're starting with the daiquiri yeah so we're starting with the daiquiri which is the perfect encompass of balance to me mm-hmm. uh because the daiquiri is really using the spirit and the ingredients and just balancing them Mm-hmm. To where you're going to get this beautiful merriment of, of sweet, of sour, of spirit. And they're, it's a crushable drink. I mean, as you're experiencing, mm-hmm. same thing with the sidecar, both, oh, yeah. both crushable. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. But a daiquiri is, is I mean, the, the typical daiquiri, which is also its own drink, is rum, lem, lime juice, fuck, and... Simple sugar. Mm-hmm. And then you get down the category where you get like a whiskey sour, which is the same thing. It's whiskey, simple sugar, and lemon juice. You can add bitters to that. Some bars I've worked at will add the bitters. Some won't. I personally like to add the bitters just to add that extra layer. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just this perfectly balanced cocktail. There, that's also the other thing that, that I forgot to mention is that some bars that make a whiskey sour will, won't make it with egg white. 
they will make it without egg white and they'll just shake it up as it is. But I like to make it with yeah, egg white nice. because it, one, adds that beautiful foamy top it's that nice. you saw that I put the little beautiful little flowers on. Mm-hmm. and. Okay, so I know what you're thinking. You're like, Sam, I can't see this fucking to- cocktail. But um, you can if you go to my... My Instagram page, which is Sam Learns Everything, um, I posted all the pictures of the cocktails we made and then and then drank. And then Emma's presentations are just absolutely gorgeous. Um, so it's absolutely worth checking out. And I like to think in that way where, where what I was taught when I first started cooking was you eat with your eyes. Oh, yeah. Eyes eat you look at that drink and you're like, holy shit, that's sexy. I cannot oh, believe yeah. I fucking ordered that Big just time. now. You're going to look badass to whoever orders that drink and puts that in front of you. Like, I, And that's one of those drinks that I like to give people because especially if I've seen two people on a Tinder date, I'm just like, oh, you're trying to impress this lady? Order whiskey sour. Like, yeah. I make a badass whiskey sour. I use that egg white. I can make that little design on the top, and it tastes fucking phenomenal. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's one of those it's drinks hot. where when you order it, and if if that bartender knows how to make it, you're both gonna look badass. Like, yeah, yeah. You're neither of you are gonna look bad, and it's it's just a fucking good cocktail. It's my favorite. It's so good because it's so balanced. I have yet to make that drink for somebody. Like and I've made many drinks and had people in the back. It's in a, it's in a coupe, coupe glass. Coupe glass, which is like the martini glass, right? Yes, and I mean you can also serve it down. I've worked at bars that will serve it down, which either means... on a cube or not a cube. Okay. So when you order a drink down, that's just talking about ordering it in a glass that doesn't have a stand on it or doesn't like rise up like a. Mm-hmm. A coupe glass or a martini glass. It's mm-hmm. like your tumbler glass or your rocks glass. Like those are gonna be down glasses. So when you order a whiskey sour, sometimes you'll have people ask you, oh, do you want it up or do you want it down? Right. And sometimes they'll, if you order it down, they'll go beyond that and be like, do you want it on a rock or do you not want it on a rock? Mm-hmm. But really it just depends on how the bar makes it. Which if you're someone like me who knows all this shit because I've been a bartender for years, I will ask them a lot of questions and yeah. be like, how do you serve your whiskey sour? Do you put it up or down? Okay, do you put it down? Do you serve it on a rock or not on a rock? Okay, I don't want it on a rock because I'm going to pound that shit. So <laughs> save yourself the rock yeah. and save me the upcharge because some places if they're serving clear cubes. They're going to upcharge you a dollar to do that clear cube. And I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not going to use that clear cube. So <laughs> serve it down. Give it to me in that glass, yeah. and I'm just going to drink it really quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, whiskey sour, highly recommend, uh, which is a daiquiri. Uh, then we also have Old Fashions, which are served... I'm going to give this one a shot. Old <laughs> Fashions are served in a tumbler, right? Mm-hmm. And they're spirit-forward, so it's mostly going to be your... Your spirits are like a whiskey old fashioned is like mostly whiskey. Then you have some like bitters, some simple syrup or simple sugar, simple syrup, simple syrup, simple sugar, same thing, same thing. Okay, and then lemon, lemon expression, lemon expression. Yeah, if you're gonna add lemon, then you're in a yeah, yeah, then you're in a whiskey sour. But like an old fashioned is like what I showed you where you just take a lemon peel and you express it on the top. So expressing something is basically just when you 
sort of crimp it, you fold it, and then you are going to push out a bunch of the vapors that are stored in the, the lemon or orange peel um, or lime onto the drink. So it's basically like misting it, essentially. And you get this this aromatic smell and oils. So when you go and take that first sip of an old-fashioned, you just get like, pow, lemon. So that one is pretty easy to try. And then we have a... So we talked about a daiquiri, right? Or did we? Mm. Oh, maybe this is the first one. Let's just know. talk about a daiquiri anyway. <laughs> no, I think we started with a daiquiri. I think we started with a daiquiri. Yeah, no, I think we did talk which about a daiquiri. Which is the Yeah, which was the so whiskey then, sour and... Let's and... talk about a, a sidecar. A sidecar, yes. Ooh, yes, which is technically, if you go by Cocktail Codex, mm-hmm. uh, is, a, is a margarita. That is a sidecar. I do like a good sidecar, but I I love a margarita. Yeah, I love good. it. Like a lot of people just like don't know how to make a sidecar. Yeah. And it's not that hard. And it's not. It's really not. None and honestly, of these drinks like, are that hard. They're not that hard. And like once you learn those drinks, like you are you're golden girls. You're they're good very, to go. Yeah, like honestly, we made six to six or seven today. We made we made seven because we accidentally made a daiquiri twice. We did. Um, <laughs> All of them are pretty easy. Yeah, they're they're very. And they easy. only took like a minute tops to make. Yeah, if even. Yeah, and if, and if you have a bartender friend, like somebody who you really trust, I would be like, hey, come over. I'll buy all this shit. Yeah. You just show me how to make it. Yeah. And like, or or honestly, if you live in a city that has a good bar that does cocktail classes, take a cocktail class. Yeah. Like, go and take one. Like, I mean, Easy. we're in the Midwest, so and especially Iowa, where there's not a lot of places to do it. So you have to like, yeah. like contract someone out like me to teach you how to do it. Yeah. But if you live in like Minneapolis, like, or or, or Chicago or St. Louis or Kansas City, Kansas City, they got a great cocktail scene. You, there are cocktail classes that are going on there where they will teach you either like the 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 everything about old fashioned, everything about these core cocktails. You really just got to look at what they're teaching that week. And honestly, the amount of alcohol you're gonna drink, how much knowledge you're gonna get, and how drunk you're gonna be, <laughs> it is totally fucking worth Very it. Like worth it. some of those cocktail classes are gonna cost you anywhere between like I've seen twenty dollars to eighty dollars. That's not bad at all. And that's not bad. Like you no. think eighty dollars, you're probably gonna drink a lot of fucking cocktails, and oh, you're yeah. gonna learn a lot of stuff. You can get drunk. And you're going to learn from somebody who knows their fucking craft. And that's worth it. Like, especially because, like, they're going to teach you about, probably, I would hope so, they're going to teach you about different liquors. If they're going to teach you an old-fashioned class, they're going to teach you about bourbon. They're going to teach you about balance. They're going to teach you about how to make an old-fashioned. And the amount of money you're going to spend to make an old fashioned at home as opposed to in a bar, you're gonna save yourself money right away. You're you're instantly gonna be like, when do I sign up for the next fucking class on daiquiri? Yeah, it's easy. You know, it's super easy. And like, I mean, God, we live in the internet age. You can find this stuff on the internet, but like, I would definitely suggest going to a cocktail class. Go, mm-hmm. If you live in a big city, go to a cocktail class. Well, how do you explain a margarita? So a margarita, as in, as in the sidecar build where it's, it's not just about spirit, but it's about balance. Yeah. So you have, with a margarita, you're going to have two ounces of tequila, 
Or like if you were making a true sidecar, which is actually a drink, you would have two ounces of cognac or brandy. And then you would add a fortifier. So like orange curacao or triple sec, but go for a curacao if you can find it. You'll thank me later. They're usually higher alcohol content and they're produced in a better way than like a triple sec is going to be produced. They're going to be higher alcohol content. They're going to be way more flavor and less sugar. And then you're going to have your acidity. So you're going to have your lemon juice in both a sidecar or in a margarita, it's going to be lime juice. Right. And then you're going to have your your sweetness. So you're going to have your simple sugar, which is the same in a sidecar and the same in a margarita. Right. So that's where you're seeing like this this parallel where you're like, okay, these are very much the same, but like, you know, a sidecar is going to be served up and a margarita is going to be served in a rocks glass with ice. And there's really very few variation between the two other than that and like the slight ingredients, but it's that, that balance, which is what I believe cocktail codex was going off of was showing you balance in cocktails and being like, okay, here's your six balances in cocktails. And here's how you build off of those. Here's those cocktails that come off of those. And here's how we're giving you the basis of cocktail building. Okay. So I have a story that I, I forgot to ask, but Emma was telling me about this when we weren't recording um, on the way to the liquor store before the interview. But so she was telling me the reason that we have, when we buy alcohol, it's uh, given to us in a a brown paper bag is during prohibition. They use those to help the police identify where alcohol is being sold. And then also, I guess there's the argument, you know, people will do it to hide what they're drinking. So like if you're, you know, walking home and you've got like, you know, a hundred dollar bottle of something, you don't want somebody just like peep it in and be like, oh, I'll, I'll snatch that, you know. But I, isn't that crazy? I, f- I feel like what a wild way to start a weird tradition. Tell me about ice because ice oh, is something that ice. we all take for granted. Ice, ice, ice. And when you're at home, I don't want you to go to your refrigerator and yes. get some ice. But I'm going to have Emma explain why yes. you can't do that. Okay, so if if you are honestly thinking about entering the cocktail world, ice is your biggest variable. You know, like that's that's the thing with with the cocktail world, which I love dating a scientist, is that like I've been taught about variables Mm -hmm. and removing as many variables as you can so that you can get the purest product is is the same thing with cocktails is like and your biggest variable is ice. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people at home have an ice maker that their fridge fridge, makes. But honestly, if, if you want to get into it, just buy yourself some good cocktail molds. I mean, like mine that I got, I, I got at a Goodwill because I knew what I was looking for. Right. But if you want to, you can go on Amazon or go to Cocktail Kingdom or go to a couple of these other sites and buy cocktail molds and buy good ice. Because ice quality is going to be your biggest variable in a cocktail. You want to make your cocktail cold, but you don't want to dilute it. And that's why you get a lot of like, uh, for me, like growing up in this this brand new cocktail culture that I've, I've had the privilege of 
seeing from the beginning to the end now is is ice is a huge variable. You'll have somebody who will tell you, oh, shake a, a whiskey sour on a single cube mm-hmm. or reverse dry shake it or, or wet shake it, then dry shake it. But really like the big thing is ice because if your ice is not pure, it's going to dilute. And so a lot of your ice that you get out of your refrigerator is going to be what we would call impure ice. Mm-hmm. It's gonna have a lot of minerals that are gonna create those air bubbles, which gives you that cloudy ice that you yeah, see. Yeah, it's ice that you can't see. Yeah. It's super like opaque. Exactly. And like pure ice is gonna be clear. It's gonna be completely see-through. It's, it's gonna be so pure that when you think about ice, you think about surface area and volume. Mm-hmm. And when you create and make a cocktail that has clear ice, you really wanna think about dilution. And that goes hand in hand with ice. You know, if you're not using clear ice and you have ice that's impure, that has a lot of impurities in it, it's going to melt quicker. Mm -hmm. It's going to add more water to your cocktail, which is gonna water it down. And you're not gonna have as good of a cocktail as you would have. Like you think about a daiquiri, it's so simple. But if we use refrigerator ice on that, you're gonna have a watered down daiquiri and it's still gonna taste good. But like, are you gonna wanna spend $12 on that? No, like. You're, you're going to want to buy something that has clear ice or, yeah. or like what we have, like we don't have clear ice, but we have ice molds that are big and they're pretty clear and they're pretty clear. So when I'm shaking that, what is coming in contact with the liquor, by the time it gets down to the impurities of that ice, we're done, drink. we're done shaking it. So yeah. we're going to put that in the cocktail and you're going to have a clear, more, precise cocktail than you would have if you were just using refrigerator ice. Yeah. So if you're going to, if long story short, if you're going to want to get in the cocktail game, just invest in some ice molds, invest in some cocktail kingdom, nice ice molds, or I hate plugging Amazon, but like, I understand it's cheap. Yeah. I love cocktail cheap. kingdom or Barfly. go to Barfly. Barfly does some really good shit for half the price of cocktail kingdom. Yeah, easy. And it's great tools. That's really what I've I've worked myself toward because it's half the price and they're just as good. So we now have just all that's left is the martini and a flip. Oh god. And I'm gonna try to tackle a flip here. Yes. So a flip Yes. As I think I understand <laughs> is um, it's it's a it's a balanced drink very that, balanced that has a thick a thick cream or like egg white to it yes. um, it's mostly texture is what it's a flip the, is it's the texture so it's if you think like eggnog or like Irish coffee yeah yeah or just like flip the drink itself mm-hmm which Duh. <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because those like, are all flips. What I I failed to mention with cocktail class is that a lot of the names of the the classes of cocktails are actually cocktails themselves. Yeah. I, so like I an old fashioned is a cocktail. A martini is a cocktail. A daiquiri is a cocktail. A flip is a cocktail. Um, Sidecar and. And oh my god, I'm totally forgetting one. Don't judge me. Highball. Highball, there we go. Those are those are cocktails. But there's also variations. Like with a flip, if you go by cocktail codex standards, 
a pina colada is a flip. But ah, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, how is that a flip? What the fuck? But it's like it it has heavy. <laughs> Look at that reverb. It's, but it's like a a a pina colada has heavy coconut cream, which yeah. might not be an egg, which is what a flip is. It has a whole egg it in it. a texture. But that texture is what you're going it's, for. It's Flips have texture. Yeah. Yes. Eggnog has a texture. Mm. Pina colada has a texture. It's like a smoothie almost. Exactly. It's like lighter than a smoothie. Yeah. Just a little bit. It's just a little lighter. It's yeah. It's like halfway between a smoothie and like a normal drink. Yeah. And like, honestly, if, if I was going to get into what my favorite class of cocktail is, it's probably either daiquiri because you have a beautiful. Oh, they're so good. Oh, they're so fucking good. Like it's anyone really good. can drink a daiquiri and like them. So like those are my, my crowd favorite is oh, a daiquiri. Yeah. It's so good. But personal favorite is a flip. Because yeah, there is good. so much variant in Which, it. Whiskey sour is kind of close to a flip. It is close to a flip. It's like really you think nice. about it, it's it's very smooth. It has a lot of egg white in it. The whiskey if sour you want to make kind that, of my favorite. I know that's your favorite. <laughs> Don't really even good. lie. You liked that. <laughs> it's so good. It's so fucking good. I wish good. I had like ten of those. I oh my god. Them. That's why it's the saying where it's like those are fucking crushable. Where they it's are. like if someone makes no, it just actually, right, you're like, I'm crushing those no, fucking you like, drinks. You guys listening do not honestly understand. Like these things are legitimately like poundable. Like if <laughs> you just you just don't get it. Unless you've had these cocktails, like having like six in front of you, like you can just Yeah, you're like, oh man, I that's really good. That's really sweet. That daiquiri was 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 a lot. Then you go and drink a highball, and you're like, ooh, that just like totally zeroed out my palate. Now I can go to this whiskey sour. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like. So the only cocktail we have left now is the martini, which is. What a good martini. Why don't you explain that one real quick, and then after that, I want to talk about a few other things, like sort of techniques that we talked about. Oh yes. So I think the martini is a very misunderstood drink. I think people, when they drink the martini, they just think about your classic vodka, James Bond martini, which actually James Bond orders it wrong. Like there's a huge thing in the cocktail world. He does order it shaken, which means if you want a martini shaken, you want it diluted. Uh, So why would you want that though? Because he doesn't want to taste the vodka. That would, that would be the only reason that somebody would order a shaken martini. Is like, I want this to taste as close to water as possible. But if you're ordering That's a real weird. martini, you order it stirred. Or if you're going to a real cocktail bar, they're just going to make it stirred. You know, because they want it to be spirit forward. Um, but then you think about, like, another good example of a martini is a Manhattan, which you had today. And Strong. a Manhattan, yeah. they're... Both very strong. They're all spirit. Very little spirit bit of bitters. Color. You know, sometimes, uh, like my favorite. Also, bitters are basically like spices. The spices drink. of cocktails. So, like yes. you think of like cardamom and like star anise, paprika, shit like that, turmeric. Yeah. It's like equivalent to our different types of bitters. Like we use like Angostura bitters and like cherry bitters. Cherry bitters for the Manhattan because we did not have maraschino cherries. Yeah, right so us. I was like, you know what? Let's well, add that cherry in a bitter form. But big picture, it's a spice. It is. Yeah. It's, it's the flavor. spices of cocktails. They're flavors. They're they're an, another another area and another level of cocktail flavor that you want to add. But 
You know, I think like the martini is, it's a great, it's a great cocktail when it's done right. It is. I mean, even today, like we didn't have like super great no, sweet vermouth, but like I said, like if you just add better sweet vermouth to it, like Carpano Antica, your martini is going to be phenomenal. Honestly, like that right there was pretty tight though. It was tight. It was, it was, it was strong, tight. but tight. Yeah. It's but good. But still tight. But Okay. So those are the six cocktails. Now, like when we're making them, one of the things I ran into was like how to pour something is super <laughs> weird. And also how to shake something and stir something. It's almost like being like baby again. It's like, how do I pour? How do I shake? How do I stir? Yes, yes. I, I feel like, because you know, especially now, like you have you have Instagram, you have fucking... Everybody look, makes it look so easy. Everything makes it look easy. But really, like when I see somebody who is really good or does bar flare. Like, if you see anybody who's doing bar flare, assume that they've spent a, a good couple hundred hours oh, I, learning I how to that. do that shit. I believe You know, that. even just like what I taught you today, like pouring and holding a jigger is is difficult because it's a not it's not a natural movement. No, yeah. So basically what you're doing is you're taking your middle finger closer to you and your index and ring finger close like further away from you and then holding like a pouring vessel in between it yes and then you're trying to quickly like raise it up and pour it all into a shaker or into a glass without spilling anything (laughs) and if you're really cool you make it look fancy and you do it like all in this huge motion where you're like going up like 300 feet in the air doing the dive bomb which i thought about doing that but i was that like point. i don't want to be a fucking showy asshole right, so yeah, okay. i i will do that if you ever get the opportunity to have a drink for me where i'm on have the other side of the bar i will absolutely do bar flare for you okay but majority of the time that bar flare doesn't matter yeah it's, um, it's it really show. it's just it's just for show but there is like a, a good technique, like today even like you held a Japanese jigger, which is different from an American jigger. Mm-hmm. They're they're like taller, it. they're so more eloquent. Oh, absolutely! If you're gonna get a jigger, get the get the freaking Japanese, Japanese jigger. Yeah. They're tall, they're elegant. They have less. It's pretty. It's nice to look at. It's like very sleek. Yeah, it looks like an hourglass if you take like, ha- like you take the midpoint and you raise it up to like three mm-hmm. quarters of the height. Well, and it was also just the idea of, like, taking up less space on a bar. Like, yeah. Like, if you see an American jigger, like, like an OXO jigger, which I do like. Like, I love OXO as a brand. But, like, their jigger is very wide. And so when you think about that, like, if you have an unsteady hand or you're working really quickly, like, you're going to spill stuff. The thing yeah. with the Japanese jigger is that it's harder to spill. Yeah, it's, and it's pretty easy to pour. It requires elegance to use. And it so does. it makes you slow down, which I kind of like. Yeah. And and it just looks good, especially like mm-hmm. I've seen people use those jiggers and just kind of have this like beautiful fluid motion where it's like, fuck, that looks sexy. <laughs> but, you know, it's like if you can just like figure out how to pour it in there, like you're going to be fine. Like I taught yeah. you a little bit today where I was like, you know, one of my, my, my handy things that I like to use is like hold that jigger level with the with the hard. with the shaker which is harder than it looks it's really hard and then and so that way like because the japanese jigger is more slender you do have to have more of like a whipping motion like a a, a, a round motion to one make it look good and two get it into the glass without spilling it because if you just like slowly pour it you notice like it just it just trickles out of the side and you're like oh my god i just lost half an so ounce of wait, wait. Let's liquor take a step back. 
if I didn't know anything about some of the stuff you taught me, I'd be saying, why does it matter if I spill a little bit? And then I'm going to refer you to explain what I think is the next thing to talk about, which is molecular gastronomy. Oh, yes. Right? Oh, that's fun, yeah. Am I getting that right? Yeah, no, I think you're getting that right. You're getting into that. Okay. So, okay, so the first question was you wanted like, to know... Like, why does a little bit matter? So a little bit matters because if, if you're working in some, like, very serious cocktail bars, it's, it's all about balance. And you want to get as precise as you possibly can. Some drinks, it really, it's, it's okay if you go a little bit over, a little bit under, but like you, if you're a really true cocktail artist, like you're kind of a little bit OCD and you're all about creating the best thing that you possibly can, which is why I tell people, I'm like, if you're super OCD and you're super perfectionist, become a bartender Yeah. because you are going to be that type of person where you're going to taste your cocktails and if it's not perfect, you're going to dump it and that's perfect. To me, I would rather I would rather hire a perfectionist than somebody who doesn't give a fuck. Oh, 100%. Because they're going to constantly make good cocktails. They're going to constantly bring the best that they, they can. Care about it. Yeah, and like those are the people that are going to bring people back that are that are going to bring this bar money, you know? So, but how how does molecular like what is molecular gastronomy and so, how does it relate to the perfect drink? Molecular gastronomy is very much like a new thing in the cocktail world. Uh, you have bars like the Aviary, which is like all molecular gastronomy, where they're doing some crazy shit with like, like you know, reverse spherification, and that? which is where like you essentially add, like, like so it's like creating a sphere. Like they'll do like I think it's like calcium alginate or like something. I've never fucked with, with molecular gastronomy because I've never worked at those bars, and why would I spend? $70 to do it at home when, when I'm like, I'm not trying to like impress right. anybody but yeah. myself and sure. I don't care about that. But it, it's, it's this whole other realm of like really adding different textures and different experiences. And like the aviary is the perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. They were like, okay, we're going to create like smoke that's made of this tea so that before you drink this drink, you're going to be welcomed in by the smoke that pairs perfectly with this cocktail. Like the aviary, if you're going to go into molecular gastronomy, they really started this all. But Dave Arnold was the one who actually was like, the guy who wrote Cocktail Intelligence was like, hey, I'm going to do all this math. I'm going to do all this stuff and show you why this stuff is important. Mm -hmm. You know, even in the fact that what I was telling you about like fresh juice. Yeah. You know, where it's like, okay, you can use fresh lime juice and why it's so important to use it four hours and eight hours and 12 hours after like how the acidity changes. Yeah. And those are things that, like, when you're thinking about molecular gastronomy are, are, are important. And if you're going to be going down to a molecular level, you're all about precision. Oh, yeah. And so that's why when you go to places like the Aviary in Chicago, like, you're going to spend a lot of money on that cocktail. But it's going to be a mind-blowing experience. It's going to be good. And that's also why it's like, I mean, I love, I love that concept, but that also like in a place like Iowa city, that would never, never it would never happen. People would never appreciate it. So the least that you can do here is like, be like, okay, well, like I know what I know about fresh juice. I know what I know because I read the Dave Arnold book. I know how different juices 
eight hours to 12 hours after it's juiced to what it is the next day. Mm. So the least I can do is is produce fresh lemon juice for a fucking bee's knees where yeah. a third of the cocktail is fresh lemon juice, yeah. you know? It's like those kind of things are, are very important. And like as, as much as it is like, especially in this new cocktail age where it's very much showmanship. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's put the craziest garnish. Let's make the craziest cocktail. Let's, let's in, infuse the weirdest ingredients. Yeah. At the end of the day, what matters is does that cocktail taste good? Yeah. You know, That's like true. you can put cooking and just about anything. Exactly. It's like flair all you want, but does it work? And I think that's kind of why, like I like cooking sometimes more than being a cocktail because like the cook is not there to watch you be like, Oh, is that really, really good? Was that great? Did you like that? Like the cooks look, in the back of the kitchen, they never see that. They'll just look at the end and be like, yeah. They ah, saw the plate yes, come back good. and the plate came back empty, but a, a mixologist or a bartender is going to watch that drink be drank uh, in front of them. And, 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 and that's kind of that like immediate, like, yeah. Oh, I'm getting that, like, that ego boost because I'm watching someone drink this whole drink. But like when you're a cook, you don't watch that. No, you just see the plate come back empty or not. And, and you're, you're and, like, oh, cool. and you see it come back without like, like three bites, not being bitten out of the collard greens. You're like, Oh fuck, did I not make those greens good? Like what did I do around to not season yeah. it correctly? And sometimes it's just because they were full and they didn't want to finish it. And other yeah, times it's because know. you didn't fucking season it right. You know? So, okay. So I was told to make this note to tell you guys about shaking. Um, there's a specific way that you're supposed to shake uh, a cocktail shaker where you, <laughs> it's almost like you're holding a shake weight, but you're holding it from both ends and then you're just shaking it back and forth in front of your chest. And the way that Emma taught me is that you're supposed to shake it until holding it because the cold is unbearable, um, which is which I thought was weird, but... You get used to it pretty quick. And then the one thing that I'm still wondering about is like if you're, you know, a bartender and you just do this all day, at what point do you get used to the coldness of it? And are just like, yeah, I mean, like this is cold, but like, fuck, I don't care. Like I can shake this all day. So, yeah, I don't know if anybody's a bartender and listening to this. Let me know somehow. Okay, so I was actually told to make one more note. Um, so there's a bunch of like bar lingo for ordering a drink. And, um, I think a lot of you may have heard like on the rocks before that just means that you want it with ice in it. Um, so like, let's say you're at a bar and you want to order a shot. You can just say, I'd like a whiskey neat. And if you want that shot with ice, you'd be like a neat whiskey on the rocks. Um, and then you can sort of order things um, high and low and up and down. Um, and as far as I understand, I think high and low referred to the glass. So like if you wanted an old fashioned high, you want that in like a tall cylindrical glass for whatever reason. And then um, up and down refer to like how spirit forward something is. So like, um, I, th- I think down is where you have more like diluted taste, but I actually may be getting this wrong. So if anybody knows better or Emma, if you're listening to this, reach out to me and let me know and correct me. First, tell me your highs and lows of 
being a mixologist? Oh, God. So my definite high was when I got hired at Death & Company okay. because that's like a world-renowned cocktail bar. And for the longest time, I was like, man, I don't have the 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 experience to work at a place like this. But the thing that really got me hired, which made me feel great was like when I talked to my boss and she was just like, it's, it's your, it's your charisma. It's your, your willingness to learn. It's your, it's the fact that like, yeah, you've worked at these cocktail bars. So you have like a good idea, but really it's the fact that like you're moldable yeah. and you want to be a good bartender. Like she's yeah, like, the reason can. why I hired you is not only because like one of the things they'll ask you on the hiring process is what are the three cocktail bars you want to work at? And like I named these three cocktail bars that like I mean I've been following cocktail knowledge for years that she was like oh I know about Scout in London and in Australia oh I know about Marvel Bar oh I know about Raised by Wolves I know about all these bars and why do you want to work at those and so the fact that I knew about those places was like they were like holy shit you know your stuff about cocktail bars mm -hmm. and the fact that like another question they'll ask you is like oh well what do you want to achieve as a bartender and like for me it's like i've always wanted to enter a cocktail competition and win Ooh, nice. and not even like you know where there's like your flair cocktail competition like that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about like just, bombay sapphire's most imaginative bartender nice. well you know like i want to like drink not how you make it yeah it's about like what you create not about how you create it and that was like the highlight of my my drinking career i was like holy shit like that's cool i wanted to work at this bar when i first started learning about cocktailing when i was working at social club i was like i want to work at death and company i mm -hmm. want to work at a fucking world-class cocktail bar that has won you know tales of the cocktail that has yeah. won 50 best bars that has won Ooh. you know I don't know if they've won a James Beard Award, but I know they've been nominated, which is you a should. huge thing in yeah. just to be nominated. Oh my God, yeah. And that was like that was the hype for me. I was like, holy shit. I was I was included into this bar team. That's amazing. You know? And that made me feel like I was like, holy crap, like I'm this small town Iowa girl who yeah, doing something great. who came from Iowa City where nobody was doing this shit and like I didn't even have to explain to them why clear ice was a, was important. They were already doing it. All their cocktails come right. with clear ice. All their highballs come they with clear ice. Know. They knew that. And so it was like a, a mind boggling experience for me to be like, wow, I can fucking learn something from these people. And these That's people cool. want to breed the next generation of cocktail yeah. enthusiasts. You know, like I think about my boss, uh, Alex Jump, who one, she's a woman mm -hmm. in this cocktail industry who yeah. has won tons of awards. She's Go younger hard. than me. Wow. <laughs> and she has put so much fucking time into learning this stuff that it's like i mean she she's an inspiration working behind her and having her be my 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 yoda you know was was amazing you know because it didn't matter about age yeah you know she's younger than me she's two but years she younger than me but she fucking knows she's won bombay sapphires most wow. imaginative bartender she's won all wow. these awards that's insane for putting in the fucking work and like she's she's one just an amazing person and two she's a fucking amazing bartender and if she ever opens a bar one day i'm going to apply to work there because working under her was was 
what I imagine young chefs feel when they work under a fucking amazing chef. Yeah. They're just like, holy God, like I have so much untapped. Yeah knowledge here and she was so nice she was not a fucking pretentious bitch at all she was so nice that's awesome and we had so much in common you know she like for me it's like i knew a lot about motorcycles and she did not and so she was just like oh my god tell me about motorcycles and i was like let me tell you you just tell me why i should strain this egg white cocktail this way you know it was just like it was so beautiful it's like that that apprentice master relationship that I feel like a lot of people who become bartenders yeah. and really want to be a bartender and people who become chefs yeah. look for. Yeah. You want that apprenticeship. That's how I am you with want Alex. that that master Yoda who's gonna teach you. That, that's the literally shit. Alex. Yeah. yeah, and it's like it, and it's beautiful because in its way it's really selfless. It's like they're not like you do see that in cocktail worlds where it's like I've worked under bartenders who who only give you pieces of the recipe because they don't want you to learn the whole thing because they don't want you to overshow them. But if you're a true teacher, you, you teach want them. to teach your yeah. shit because you want your legacy to go on. And it's not about your name, it's about your legacy. Yeah. And for me and just working like future of the field. Exactly. And that's how I felt when I was working at Death and Company and working under Alex Jump specifically was like, as a woman who is working under an amazing fucking badass of a woman, like, she just, she, she's going to be going places. Wow. She I, has been places I would be down. surprised if she doesn't in the next five years when Bartender's Bartender from, from Tales of the Cocktail. Wow. Like, she is just the epitome of service, and she's really fucking badass at what she does, and she's really humble about it. And she's got the greatest laugh you'll ever hear. If you can make that woman laugh, you've done something right in your life. Like, I made her laugh once and I was like, I can die now. Like, I've done everything I can do. Like, I made Alex jump genuinely laugh. But, lowest point. Oh, fuck. Lowest point. I won't say the restaurant that I worked at here in Iowa City. Restaurant that goes unnamed. So, Unnamed restaurant on the corner of Iowa and Dubuque Street. <laughs> Not Deadwood. <laughs> okay, I was going to say. No, like, Deadwood can... taught me. That place fucking seasoned me. But I worked there before I left town. And it was, it was difficult because it was like I had so much experience yeah. even before I left. Right. And, and when I left, it was like I was the only person in town that was like clear ice. Clear ice, clear ice, clear ice. Which is crazy. You know, it's like so good cocktails. Easy. It's so simple. It's so simple. But it makes such a big difference. And it makes a huge difference. And you can upcharge for it. Yes. And people are willing to pay for it's it. It's really easy to make. It's just to go back there now. I'd be like, motherfuckers, pay me $12 an hour. Like, um, yeah. Because I'm going to make you so much money. And I deserve that. Like, it's the yeah. least I can do is to be like, hey, pay 100%. me a livable fucking wage and give me good health insurance. Like, it's not yeah, a it's not a all crazy the, concept. All the talent involved. Oh, my God, yeah. So, okay. Um, I'm going to try to power through this real quick. Um, we're going to have to go pretty fast, though. Mm-hmm. So, I want to talk about, like, logistical next steps. Like, I'm thinking... Maybe maybe this is what it is. The next steps is get yourself like a glass or two, mm-hmm. learn one or two cocktails, and just make them. Practice it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Just, just like sort of like I will I will find a way to get this to you through podcast land. But like I'll get you that like cocktail chart, mm-hmm. and you guys just go through it. Podcast land solution is I'm just gonna post it on my Instagram. 
and get it from Emma. So check there. Figure out what seems good. Like, ask yourself the question. Sort of like a choose-your-own-adventure oh, yeah. guide. Like, do you like it sweet? <laughs> do you like it dry? Like, you you can go through yourself, and if you don't want, know what you like, you can sort of just try it all. But, like... Or I think there's even, like, a path for don't know what they like. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, like... Um, but, yeah, so do that. That's next steps. And then... Well, it's, like, also on the on the term of glassware, like, go to a thrift store before you buy cheap. this stuff. Yeah, it's I cheap. got... All of this glassware that you see, which, like, if I bought that glass straight up from a place, probably $12 for that double rocked glass. I got that for 25 cents at Credit Closet. That's ridiculous. You know, and even Goodwill is going to be more expensive. They'll, at the most, charge you $2.88 for a single glass. But it's like, you know, I got three glasses like this at Goodwill for $1.88 a piece. This is a beautiful fucking, like, etched highball glass and it's That's like awesome. you for the amount of money that you will spend and time you'll spend going out and thrifting one like support of a, a thrift business you know yeah. real quick let's talk about misconceptions and i'm kind of yeah. thinking like biggest misconception is that like everybody knows what they're doing in the couch oh my god and like also like everybody needs so many people to know don't know what, what the they're, fuck they're doing everybody should know what they need to order but like that's that's just totally not true it's not it's not i mean like i said like you can go to a bar and this guy has a nice mustache and a great fucking suit on and he still doesn't know how to stir a cocktail properly and if his name like... is sam howard he almost <laughs> knows how to stir a cocktail he knows better than 75 percent a... of bartenders in this town are you kidding i, I honestly that's like 90% because I the only two places in town that serve good cocktail and I don't want to say good really is Pullman and St. Birch oh, man. and I trained all those fucking people and this was two years ago and oh. I literally went in there like what before COVID happened to like reapply and I saw them shaking cocktails and I was like I want to die I literally want to die like they're just like uh, and I'm just like do you hate my cocktail? Like, what did it do to you? Like, yeah. like fucking just shake it like it offended you. Yeah. Like, that's what I want. Like, I would rather have you put some oomph in it than be like, oh, just like me, 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 back and forth. Like, it was so... So, moral of the story, if you go to a bar and, like, you see something that you don't like, like, you should, you should be able to know that, like, they're not doing it right. Like, you don't need that drink. Get something you, on tap. You don't need that. Get, get a, something on tap. Get a fucking beer on tap. Like, I guarantee or that beer on tap is going to be better. Or a wine. Like, honestly, do your research or ask a friend that you know that knows cocktails and knows bars or has worked at or bars to tell you where to go. reach out to the podcast and we can answer questions. Oh, my God, yes. Like, because you're I like, got hey, nothing to do. I live in Cincinnati or I live in Kansas City or I live in this place. Like, And I, I don't know if I, we could tell you maybe i can but i can't really tell you bars to go to, but like we can I, answer something we can answer some stuff yeah um so parting wisdom i'm probably gonna have like more questions for you that i'll like text you or something oh absolutely editing, by the way and then i'll just like plop them in but what do you want to say to anybody that's starting this cocktail journey so, if you're starting the cocktail journey, one, take your bar starts and bar smarts course. <laughs> I cannot emphasize that, that enough. That will teach you fucking everything you need mm-hmm. to know to be a boss. To two, be a boss. learn 
learn your cocktails. Get a few cocktail books. Get your get your Death and Co. Cocktail Codex. Get your Dave Arnold Liquid Intelligence. Mm-hmm. Get your Jimmy Hands Bartender's Manual. Get a few of these books that are literally going to be. I mean, they're 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 always going to be something you can fall back on. If yeah. you ever have a question, you can fall back on that. Yeah. Books are going to be. Really, other than taking a cocktail class, the only way that you're going to learn this shit. And on top of that, go to and some YouTube. fucking bars. And YouTube, yes. Yeah, like YouTube's got some great videos. I'm full advocate of the university. Oh, YouTube. Barfly. The Educated Barfly on YouTube. Yeah, Follow that. Cocktail well. Chemistry. That guy is great. Yeah. Um, but really, like, Educated Barfly is one of my favorites to follow. Uh Cause he does like videos every week. Like he's he's just got great banter. I love him. If I ever go to fucking, I think he's in San Diego. Like mm-hmm. I'm gonna go visit him. Yeah. He knows his shit. He's great. But like you know, invest in in some good cocktail stuff so that like you can confidently make cocktails. Yeah. Invest in some good it's really books. Not that expensive. Invest in some good glassware, which also like other than like you know buying like a cocktail shaker or a spoon, which you're probably gonna have to buy direct. You'll almost never find those at at a thrift store and i'm telling you this as someone who's an avid thrifter of the last 10 years i've never found a cocktail spoon or a good shaker that's worth it like just spend some money and buy yourself a good shaker and a good spoon and a good julep strainer and a good hawthorne strainer but you know also buy some good books watch some really good youtube videos buy some like good sources and buy yourself some good books you know like that is really how i learned Because the only other way you're going to learn is, like I said, going to a cocktail class or working for a bar that has some notoriety behind it. Right, which isn't always feasible. It's not always feasible. I mean, we live in Iowa. There's not a single... The closest James Beard Award winning good cocktail bar around here is the Violet Hour in Chicago. That's, that's like four three, hours three away. And a half, four hours. Yeah. You know, and that's not counting traffic. So if you got to yeah. park and you got to get a hotel, you're talking about a couple like like five. It's an overnight hours. thing. It is. That's and, not. Fun. And so really, just like, and really, if you have any good friends, like people who you can really rely on, who know their shit about cocktails, like just ask them. If they're really yeah. good bartenders, they're not going to be mad. Like they're going to be in, they're going to be enthused to tell you. That's you the up. difference between a per, per, like a pretentious bartender and a real bartender. A real bartender is going to be really happy and excited to tell you about the ingredients, the liquors, and everything that goes into it. A fucking pretentious bartender is going to be like, oh, you don't know about whiskey. You don't know the difference between between rums and tequilas and all that. like fuck you dude like you are not you are not yeah, encompassing you, what hospitality yeah, you is you put out a bad name for bartenders. yeah like i fuck i've met plenty of people in my day especially bartending in iowa city who don't know the difference between regular whiskey and bourbon that's fine nobody that does me. that's my fucking job to tell you about that right. and, and i'm proud to tell you about it today right yeah because bourbon is made in america bourbon's exclusively america you cannot get bourbon made in in ireland or scotland or japan those are all whiskeys bourbon is specifically to america because it's not just about aging but it's about the new oak casks that we use the burnt oak casks that they're aged in Mm -hmm. and then you get like your straight bourbons which are you know aged for four years or longer 
And then, like, really, like, the difference between Kentucky and Tennessee is just, it's made, Kentucky's made in Tennessee. There's, there's really, like, minute yeah. differences. And you'll notice when you learn about bourbon, those same differences come with, like, London dry gin and normal gin. Right. You know, and brandy and cognac. Yeah. Like, there's, there's little nuances that if you learn them, which literally takes no time, You'll not only be a smarter consumer, but you'll sound like a complete fucking badass too. Like and any also any good bartender and pretentious bitch. And somebody who doesn't like even as someone like me who knows who knows quite a bit, but still is is willing to learn. I am always really excited when I can yeah. meet somebody who is very humble and is like, oh hey, actually like I heard this and I yeah. was wondering if that's true or like I know this like when I was working at a wine shop like. I was taught by the people who came into the That's wine cool. shop because they knew more about different rosés and nuances. And like, that was great for me because it's like, I didn't know it's shit. Huge and they were just like, Oh, well, this is the difference between French rosé and, and American rosé. And it was like so mind boggling. And That's really crazy. it's just about relationships, which is what I love about the, the hospitality industry. I think David Chang said it best. He's like, it's the, it's Chang. the best while simultaneously being the worst industry there is to work for. He's right, though. Because it's like, you will meet the worst fucking people you've ever... And have oh, yeah. the worst experiences of human interaction this in your life. absolutely the worst. But at the same time, you will make the best friends. You will have the best experiences. Like, the people yeah, that I've met that have true. actually mattered to me, all of them worked in a restaurant. All of them I met in a restaurant. Yeah. All the best experiences I've ever had in a restaurant. Yeah, because we all go through the shit together. Yeah, and you have to just, like, be willing to accept that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, like, I fucking love David Chang. He, he knows his shit, he does you know? Shit. And he's just, like, such a, like... He's such a baller. He's such a baller, dude. Like, he's just like, hey, man, here's how it is. Like, he's just... Ugh. I fucking love him. Listen to his, uh, I think it was his Washington Post interview where he said that quote where he was like, this is simultaneously the best and the worst industry at the same time. I will do and, that. And if you're not somebody who can handle that, then get the fuck out. You know, and it's like, I love him because he's just so like... <laughs> he's so to the point. He's so to the point. It's true. Like, yeah, no, he's like, right. He's so fucking baller. I love him. David Chang, shout out. <laughs> All right, man. I think... That's probably all we have time for because I still need to pack up stuff. So let's oh, true. Let's stop the recording here. Yes. Um, and if you want, I always like to, as in, um, what is it, in uh, Hot Ones fashion, I like to end things on the last dab. So we should do one really good shot before you leave. Oh, I'm about it. Let's Which do is it. like a mix, like a shake shot. Like we'll we'll mix some shit. We'll make something fun. Like let's make something fun. Oh. Let's Let's try something and make a good shot. Okay. Yeah, we're going to go do that. Peace. So revisiting this whole thing sober has been such a interesting experience because I think I I think I was blackout drunk that day. Um, so I'm editing this now like a month or two later, and I remembered like none of this. Uh, but I mean, what a cool way to end the the day! What a cool way to end a you know a massive slew of interviews. I mean, keep in mind this was right after we did fermentation which was episode one um so yeah i mean i i had a blast and and if you enjoyed emma i'll i don't know if she has an instagram i'll find that out um and and if she does it'll i'll post a link to it somewhere on my instagram page um but yeah i really hope you learned something i hope my my drunk ramblings were sensible but i I think the next episode, 
we're probably going to go to next is carpentry. So that's something to look forward to. I'm going to try to release that. The week after this. So yeah, until then, I hope you guys have a great week and uh, I'll talk to you later.